2: Only at Sleep Number stores or SleepNumber.com.
1: Hi, I'm Dr. Katrina Fieri, a psychiatrist.
0: And I'm Portia Pendleton, a licensed clinical social worker.
1: Before we get started, we just wanted to include a trigger warning for this episode. Um, This episode could include a discussion about some themes and topics that might be upsetting, um, including but not limited to things like substance abuse, suicide, self-harm, disordered eating, and harassment and assault. So if any of those topics are too upsetting, we totally get it. Um, Please feel free to skip this episode and join us next week. Otherwise, we hope you enjoy.
0: Hi, so we are back again with another episode and we are going to refer to each other today as like yes shrink, yes, yes shrink. chef, um, yes chef, cousin, cousin, whatever kind of comes to mind. We're not going to be swearing and, you know, mm. putting each other down because Hopefully that's not. kind of abusive which right. we see a lot in the show the bear which you're coming today season one um kind of blew up recently mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. over the summer i definitely had not heard about it last year um and yeah, i hadn't
1: really either it but was then... all over
0: like tiktok a
1: couple months ago mm-hmm. um jeremy allen not... white is all in the news because he like got a divorce right. and i don't know all the details about it but it seems to be like a hot topic yeah yeah, people
0: really like him.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, so what? <laughs> how do, how do you want to start talking about this? First, I would like to say that my blood pressure was oh. so high. I'm making this
1: up. Oh, know, okay. You weren't true. like checking in.
0: No. Um, watching some of these episodes, like this level of stress that I was feeling, and like mm-hmm. my heart
1: was racing. I was like, mm-hmm. Oh, oh,
0: mm-hmm. I feel like I'm back in a restaurant, and I'm like not okay. Yeah,
1: you worked in a restaurant too at some
0: point, <laughs> right? Yes. Yeah, mm-hmm.
1: I did too, only for like six months. Um, like in between college and med school, Mm -hmm. I took a year off to apply and it was really stressful. I worked in a Mexican restaurant. It's closed now. Unfortunately, one of the owners like embezzled money and Mm -hmm. went, you know, went to like federal prison. (laughs) Typical, (laughs) fortunately. Um, But like I was like trying to get out of this other job. um, And so when I applied, I said I was available for all shifts. So I got all the lunch shifts and made like no money. Mm-hmm. And I would have to come in early and clean, like literally move the heavy tables, like clean the windows. It was like a lot of hard work. It's like labor. I mean, labor. yeah. I mean, it's physical labor. I lost a lot of weight because you're like running around all day. Um, And I'll never forget, my last day was Cinco de Mayo because I was like, I have to work Cinco de Mayo, right? I'll never forget the floor was like so sticky with tequila. It was a good restaurant. Like the food was really good. But at like the pre-shift meeting, um, one of my coworkers was like, hey, guys, I got Adderall. Does anyone want one? And like all these people took Adderall. And I was like, I'm good. Like I'll be okay. I don't know, really like shocked me. But then I guess like in watching this show – and in, like, I don't know if, like, in your training you learned that there's, like, a lot of mental health issues in the restaurant industry because I learned that.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think it seems like, you know, and, of course, we're generalizing here. But, like, in my experience and and even hearing from, like, clients who mm-hmm, work in the restaurant exactly. industry, there is so much substance use. Yes. And, you know, with that often comes mental health um, issues. I also – I'm just, like, curious about – who ends up in the restaurant industry, right? Mm-hmm. Like, um, I think you have to be really personable, mm-hmm. you know? Like, you're you're really friendly. Energetic. Energetic. I I would say, and this, you know, I think this is like a little bit of just like anecdotal information. I feel like it's often kind of you have a little bit of ADHD. Like, yes. you're good, right? You yes. can like
1: bop around. It's the 100%. perfect environment for you because it's so stimulating. Yes. Um, yes. And it's so quick and yeah. fast-moving. Yeah. I totally agree. And I think like a lot of young people – I think like work yeah. in restaurants yeah. or bars or things like that when you're younger. But then you know I think you're right that there is a lot of substance use. I think there's like erratic hours. Yep, you which know, does like does not help doesn't a, help mental health, sleep. And then I think
0: people often might
1: in that example that you provided, right? Will take something to, to like help stay them. up. Mm-hmm. And then oftentimes, like once you know the restaurant closes, shifts over. I think people like go out for drinks mm-hmm. or then there's like substance use with like downers, yep. kind of. Yep. Um, I think it like we said, it is really hard work, like physically demanding. Yeah. Um, I think the pay can be good, right? Depends. It, depends. It fluctuates and you don't really get benefits. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of stress. It's it certainly like when we think about, you know, what are like risk factors, I guess, for mental health conditions, there's a lot of like environmental risk yes. factors, like just right there. Mm-hmm. And then you're also dealing with people who are hard to deal with, right? Like, you have, like, demanding customers, people complaining, you're not doing it fast enough, there's a mistake, like, I can't imagine, Mm -hmm. right? Like, just all the complaints you have to deal with and, like, in a personable, happy Mm -hmm. way. And now
0: I always think about, um, like, everyone having... You know, sensitivities or allergies right to foods, and like how many how many like requests we're making, oh so gosh, like I yeah. you know I do make one request, but like I'm just thinking about like how complicated things are now, like everyone at a table could be like, okay, you know, and i've I've been at a table before where it's like every <laughs> single person has a Some, something, something, yeah, and I'm just like, oh man, like." It's just so much more work it's than just like right, accommodating like a regular, oh, yes. you know, taco salad. It's like, nope, no cheese on this one, no meat on this one. We have right. to leave out the taco because it's right. corn-based. Right. Like it's right. just so much. It's a lot. And I think the pressure like for certain people gets to them. And yeah. I think that's why we see also just like a lot of abuse. Yes. Um, with like, you know, with the hierarchy within the kitchen. Yes. Um, and it's just, it can get really ugly.
1: Yeah. Um so when I started watching The Bear preparing for this unfortunately I Hulu just like auto played the last episode of season oh. two i didn't get through the whole thing okay. we got through maybe the like 10 or 15 oh, no. i know <laughs> and then like we're watching it and i'm like am i supposed to understand who these characters are and how they relate and then all of a sudden my husband noticed and i was like oh because oh, it was like s2 like episode E1. 10 yeah. or something oh, that was yeah, the yeah, last yeah. one but I was like, oh, so I felt like I had like a preview, not in a great way. But then it's like, I don't think it's going to spoil all that much. So then we restarted it. Um, but even in season one, we sort of see these flashbacks of mm-hmm. Carmi, right, played by Jeremy Allen White, the main character, who like worked in a really fancy, like they kept saying the best restaurant in the world. And we saw Joel McHale, I was surprised to see mm-hmm. in like a dramatic role. Um, do you know who Joel McHale is? Yes. Did you ever watch The Soup? Um eight. no. Okay. Again, I'm getting older than you, but it's know he's so I, funny. I didn't like it. No? No. I
0: always thought it was kind of like funny. I don't love him, no offense. That's okay. To him, if you're listening, <laughs> that's okay. <laughs> Does he have any like weird allergies? I just don't think he's anything? funny. No. Like it, it, to me, and maybe he is now, but I remember watching The Soup and being like, eh, not mm, your thing. Yeah. That's fine. Um, but yeah,
1: dark, like abusive, abusive. horrible. It, it, and it was very hierarchical, like almost like the military. Mm-hmm. It kind of reminded me of. Um, and. Like, you have to go up the chain and, and sort of that kind of thing. Um, In prepping for this episode, I did a qu- some quick research, and it does seem like the restaurant industry hospitality has very high rates of depression, anxiety, substance abuse, and harassment, which I think makes sense, like, if you've ever worked in one. Mm-hmm. And then I think this show really accurately portrays that like you were saying like in watching it your heart rate's like high yep your blood pressure is high you feel stressed and you're like it god it is a lot mm-hmm. it's a lot i mean when they were you know
0: when they had finally implemented the like to go oh, orders my and they didn't notice that right they had done like pre-order selection and it was just like coming out of the machine like i was just so like fast I felt like, I mean, A, good acting, good storyline sucked me in. I don't know if it's because I can, like, I have some restaurant experience, but I was just like, ah. <sighs> you, you right? You, you're in, it's like a trauma response. So yes. some people freeze, yes. some people flee, yes. and other people like, freak out and fight, fight. you know? Yes, so I was so just true. like, whoa.
1: Interesting to see everyone's individual mm-hmm. response. And Carmi just freaked out. Yeah. He just, like... It was almost, I felt like, his, like, explosion of pent-up mm-hmm. emotion, right? Like, yeah. I feel like his sister, Sugar, had been saying, like, you're not expressing things, like, you know, and mm-hmm. he he wasn't really. He was, like, really holding it in, and then it just all yeah. exploded. Like, he couldn't take it anymore. Mm-hmm. I was really proud of Sydney and Marcus for walking away yeah. and being like, we don't tolerate this. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I didn't see that coming, but I was really proud of them for doing that. And I think...
0: What I thought was interesting was when we see Carmi working at that Michelin Star mm-hmm. restaurant and he's being right like verbally berated. Abused. Yeah. Um saying all these horrible things to him, I thought it was so interesting because like Sydney and Carmi like have a similar experience with like working at higher end places. They like mm-hmm. know, you know, yes, chef, behind you chef, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. So Sydney, in that in one of the later episodes when she is accidentally a stabs um Richie <laughs> in the behind. <laughs> but also you see her absolutely berating him right she's like you're a loser yes. like you're your kid your yes. partner and yes. i think for her that almost felt like she like, was so horrified, almost, that that's how she had become in this place, right? Yes. Because her and Carmi talked about how horrible that was. Right. And then she did
1: it. And it's like, right. this place brought it out of her. Right. It's like, the abusee becomes mm-hmm. the abuser. Right. Which we see, like, I'm thinking more along the lines of, like, children who grew up in abusive mm-hmm. environments and then sort of take on those behaviors in adulthood. Right. It's it's reminding me of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was And I feel like she sad. couldn't – it was really sad. And, like, when she was sitting there – Like at the lockers Mm -hmm. and he was like, are you okay, chef? And she's just like, no. And it's like, no, you're not. You're right. right." And she has to walk away. And and I think you're right. I think it was a combo of like Carmi berating her, but Mm -hmm. then her doing that too. Right.
0: And like losing it. And right. Like, you know, I mean... They they are these experts, and she's holding the knife right out, Mm -hmm. like like not no intention, right? Of like at first she was like, yeah, first she's waving around, (laughs) but then like she's pointing it out, and he just like turns, like you don't ever walk with a knife pointing out in the kitchen, like that stuff can happen, exactly right, and And you can like stab someone in the neck I mean right, like right, right. not it's serious. You know, the, a fatty tissue place where it's like less serious right but.
1: right whoa I know yeah and so it's again it's just like how did all that come to be mm-hmm. was it like stress was it trauma probably a mix of everything right. also like Richie I don't like him mm. like I there have been very few characters so far in all the shows and movies we've watched which is quite a bit by now um where I really don't like them. Mm -hmm. Like the whole time I'm watching it, I'm trying to find something redeeming. And since I did see the first 10 minutes of the (laughs) final episode of season two, and I see what role he assumes, and he's behaving a little differently, spoiler alert, it's not much of a spoiler, but still, I kept trying to find something redeeming about him. And I had a really hard Mm -hmm. time. What about you? I think that
0: i really did not like him until like the last episode and i don't wouldn't even say i like him i feel like i just have like empathy for him like i feel sorry for him why um that's where i struggled i feel like he is so broken yeah and i want to know his backstory Maybe we learn it because mm-hmm. they said in season two, I read an article that was like season two gets right with the only thing that season one got wrong, which is like there was no backstories for anyone. We didn't right. know anything about anyone. And so I'm wondering if we get his because I'd be so curious. It just mm-hmm. seems like he's like – and why he was really like hearing what Sydney was saying when she's like calling him a loser. Like I feel like he feels, feels like that. he's a loser. Yeah, and he's a loser in every way. And then his his he talks about his daughter mm-hmm. saying to his ex mm-hmm. or her mom, right? Like he's bad news, Richie, or something. Like yeah. I just feel like There's that's more. I feel there. bad. I don't. I don't like him. I don't want to be his friend by any means. I don't want him to be around him. Yeah. but I just feel sorry for him. Yeah.
1: Uh, yeah, I kept like wanting to feel sorry mm. for him and like trying to access that empathy. But I had a really hard time. I think like, and again, I hear what you're saying. Like, it seems like before Mikey died by suicide, um, Richie was like, the head guy, like maybe the manager mm. or something, you know, like he was like running the show. Yeah. And then I think to have like Carmy and Sydney come in like out Especially of the Sydney. A younger girl, a younger black girl, which again, maybe that's not like uh, intentionally getting under Richie's skin, but maybe it is. Like we don't really know yet. Um but again like I could see how that would like threaten his ego. Because it's like, this is all that he has. And then, right.
0: you know, he kind of says that at the end, right, when um, Carmi, like, picks him up from the jail. jail, which I thought was really interesting. And this is a little bit of a sidebar, but, like, I think it's so risky, little PSA, like, to ever be in, like, a fight with someone that's physical. Because, like, you could, you know, we we all talk, oh, someone, like you know said something to you everyone's drunk in a bar a bar fight right someone gets punched in the face it's like doesn't seem crazy but it's like the wrong hit you could yeah. fall. you hit your head you can die and it's like now it's literally it's now um, it's literally manslaughter yes. and yeah. it's like things can escalate so quickly where it's like it's not just like right a punch in the schnoz or yeah. like you know getting pushed it's like oh it's, it's like hitting it's, your head wrong on the curb yes yeah, and, and it's I, really I scary. have you know i'll never forget and i'm you know i'm going to talk very loose circumstances here but witnessing someone um oh. like hit someone and they fell and they hit their head on the curb. Oh, Porsche, that's scary. Um they got up, but I know another instance that I did not witness, but it happened at my college. Um even like if you're super
1: intoxicated and you fall right, the wrong way, right? right? Like
0: you could die. Yeah, it's really serious. So I felt, you know, and I don't know if it's just like I respected and this is like I mean this is such a stretch. I respected Richie for completely owning that yeah. he was the one that did it. Yeah. Right? He, there was no oh well, you know, cuz it was messy, right? That's Carmen true. And them everyone's That's pushing, true. pushing pushing That's and there true. was no question he he was going to take the fall or whatever and i think that's also when he comes out he's like no this is all i have like i would do anything for you like there it seems like they connect i'm curious to see in season two how that plays out i'm hoping that that's like a change then for richie
1: yeah Um,
0: but that up until that episode i was so irritated with him he just kept messing everything that's what i mean over and over and over that's what i
1: mean he and i do think that's like the perfect depiction and i'm like I am really curious, and I hope we do learn more about his backstory, because I wouldn't be surprised if he had, like if I'm making it up, really critical parents. Like one parent who's really critical, one who's absent, whether it's because Mm -hmm. of substance abuse or like a father left or something like that that's setting him up to never feel good enough. So he's going to keep trying, keep trying, and then he just gets to the point where it's still never good enough, and he starts like getting in his own way, Mm -hmm. right? Like he just kept messing Yes, like when they did the kid's birthday party and he doesn't bring the ketchup. Right. And then his Xanax gets in the the drink and all the kids pass out and no one calls the ambulance. Like I was like (laughs) waiting for
0: your take on that. I was just like dying. When they just show all the kids' past yes. oh, and the and the guy right, they're like mobster uncle yes. is like, well, well, this is a preferable to be honest, because he's like annoyed, right? Like, he's just like, well, you know, kids are kids suck, kids
1: are annoyed, kids are annoyed. At least they're quiet. But I was, but I was like, like, are whoa. they breathing? Has anyone put their fingers <laughs> under their nose to see, like, is their breath? Yes. Like, oh my! god I can't believe no one called the police or I the mean, ambulance. this is such a bare minimum
0: like and you're gonna be like you're re- crazy but i was like kind of pleasantly surprised that carmy like told him right i feel like it could have been like oh because like you could literally go to jail for that yes. like neg- you know again like not intentionally but like you could go to you, jail maybe for that. maybe like you should <laughs> right so <laughs> the fact that
1: he like told them i was like okay like at least you have a uh, moral uh, compass in okay. there you know like yeah, his- somewhere in there i guess yeah Ah, oh, but then like he doesn't like no one does anything. They just like. But I was how thinking, much do you think would have been in there, right? Like, let's talk oh. about that. Like, because it looked like it was one bottle. So were they oh, like bars? They I feel like did they have. They been had. Like that's a how five. Xanax comes, right? Like, I didn't. I don't remember what the dose was. So Xanax is the trade name for alprazolam, which is a very short-acting benzodiazepine, incredibly addictive. Right. That's why, like, most. People don't prescribe Mm -hmm. it, except in, I mean, hopefully, except in very specific circumstances like flight phobia or something like that, where you only need a little relief for a little bit of time. You're not
0: getting, you know, prescriptions every month for it. It's like you're getting ideally, right? Like once a year should be enough. Like I think providers feel comfortable like, yes, depending on the
1: situation. Mm -hmm. I think unfortunately it is really abusable. Yeah. Um and you could the reason it's so abusable is because it is so short acting. So like it hits your system really quickly, like oh, within 30 minutes or so, you feel so good. You feel mm-hmm. a lot calmer, but then it's out of your system really quickly too. So then you're like, oh, I need more, I need more. And like thus starts right. the cycle of dependency and addiction. And again, I specifically use those words um because there's a difference, right? Like you can become physically dependent on a medication like this. Like you're brain gets used to it. If you don't have it, you develop withdrawal symptoms. You need more. You can have that without perhaps being addicted. Um, But again, like they kind of go hand in hand, I guess. But with addiction, you also think of it as like, okay, then you start doing riskier things to obtain Mm -hmm. it, right? Like you might start stealing or you might start Um, you know, obtaining it illicitly, like on the street, or you might be spending a whole lot of time trying to find it, um, at the expense of like work or spending time with your family. Like there's a lot of criteria that go into addiction. Um, but you can also be physically dependent on, I mean, that is like one of the main criteria too. Um, and you can, um, I believe, right? You can die from the withdrawals from a hundred percent of class. Yes, mm-hmm. you know, benzos act on the GABA receptors in the brain, very similar to alcohol. So it's also incredibly dangerous to mix benzos with alcohol. When you're intoxicated with both, what can be fatal is the respiratory depression. Mm-hmm. Basically, you start you start breathing so slowly that you could stop breathing. And like, that's what I was worried about with these kids just like sleeping. I was like, is anyone making sure they're breathing and they're getting enough oxygen Mm -hmm. to their brains? Like these little kids getting whatever the adult dose is. I mean, it looks like the whole bottle got in there somehow. Who knows how much is in there was so dangerous. Um, and then if you are addicted or physically dependent on alcohol or benzos and you just try to quit cold turkey, you, that's also potentially fatal, you know, because you can develop seizures and um, cardiac instability. Mm-hmm. So like really high blood pressure, uh, really high heart rates. You could have a stroke. You could die. So it's really dangerous. Mm-hmm. I was very uncomfortable yeah. <laughs> with that whole Like time. you need a medical <laughs> detox,
0: right? So yeah. it's versus like opiates or it's a horrible detox, but you can stop. You know, you, you you won't be very die. sick, you won't yeah. die. But um, you know, I like a couple kids, and I say kids because they were under eighteen who I worked with um resi- in a residential program, like, you know, you if they were abusing um benzos, like they would still be on them, right? So they would come in and they'd receive a, a, a lower taper. and a lower and a <laughs> lower dose. Um, versus, you know, some of the kids who were on opiates like they would be very sick or they would have been in a very fast um detox, like in the hospital. Yeah,
1: I did a lot of detoxing when I worked at the VA in residency. um, And I I did a lot of time in the emergency room there. So that was like one Mm. of the main things we saw. And you're totally right that like alcohol or benzodiazepine detox is medically necessary, like you could die. And that was like one of the hardest conversations to have with patients when they would get to like day two, And, of course, they're waiting for a bed because we don't have enough, Mm -hmm. you know, access to treatment in the whole country. We've already talked about this. Um, But by day two, they're starting to feel cravings. They want to get out of there. And we have to have the discussion, like, you're just starting the detox. Like, we still don't know which way it's going to go. There's, like, risk factors and algorithms we can, like, keep in mind to help predict it. But, like, we just don't really know. You could get delirium tremens, which is Mm -hmm. potentially fatal. I mean, it's really scary. Um, and a lot of times they would leave like against medical advice and probably start drinking again. Um, which is very sad, but then mm-hmm. in other ways you're like, well, ugh, I guess it mitigates the risk of death from a unsupervised detox, but it's, it's really risky. But you're yeah. right. Like with opiate withdrawal, that's where the phrase cold turkey comes from. Mm-hmm. It feels like the worst flu of your life. It's incredibly painful to go through, but it's not medically dangerous. So in either way, like with uh, benzo or alcohol withdrawal, we do taper using the benzos. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you can also give other medications to help with other symptoms to help make people more comfortable. And then with opiate withdrawal, um, some places will start, like Suboxone um, once you're a couple days out to make sure, you know, there's enough out of your system where it doesn't plunge you into a worse type of withdrawal. But then you also give other agents to help make people Mm -hmm. feel more comfortable. So that too, it's like ideal if you can do a medical detox, but um, not medically dangerous if you're just trying to quit, Mm -hmm. like on your own. Yeah.
0: Circling back now to like, restaurant um, employees right often not having insurance yes and being or like i think too what's interesting now is like with a lot of credit card tips right like that is on Mm -hmm. the books versus like cash tips so Mm -hmm. it's like they pay taxes on right Mm -hmm. so you could be i think you know right on the line with like you don't make a ton but you also don't qualify for like medicaid um, or something you know full medicaid Mm -hmm. so you know i just think there's a lot of people that are underinsured or not insured who specifically work in this yes um field of hospitality and you know with with sometimes raging substance use issues and mental health issues Mm -hmm. it's just like a perfect storm
1: yeah Mm -hmm. and i mean most detoxes would be at least five days so when you're imagining like in restaurants
2: you often do i think cool fact Only at Sleep Number stores or SleepNumber.com.
1: Live, like, day to day in terms of, like, your income. It's not predictable. You're not going to have, like, short-term leave or things right. like that. It's really hard to think, like, oh, I'm going to take five days away and somehow pay for this treatment and make up for not and having income those days. And go back to this wild The environment. same environment, right. It's really mm-hmm. tough. Yeah, I was just
0: thinking about, like, Mikey in that, you know, and just, like, it seemed like he was struggling for a while with opiate abuse, Um, and some people knew, some people didn't, and yeah. that was kind of really eating at Carmi for not knowing.
1: Yeah, so what did you think about, like, Mikey's story and then this show's depiction of addiction and grief and people reacting to someone's suicide? I thought it was good. Um I thought it did
0: a good job of like showing multiple re- reactions and responses mm-hmm. which I think you know hits the nail on the head with like everyone will respond differently some yeah. people I think if we look at it In kind of a black and white way, like some people shut down, other people like have really big reactions immediately. Um, So it's like, right, someone if you're picturing like at a funeral, which is kind of morbid, you know, there's people who are like wailing and like Mm -hmm. you know visibly upset for weeks. And Tanya, (laughs) yes. And then there's people who are just totally shut Shut down, down, right? Haven't cried at all. And that that doesn't mean that they're not processing it or grieving, but like I'd say, they like they because they might be doing it at home, but if you're not doing it at all. Um, I think then sometimes there's a bigger reaction that comes out later which we see mm-hmm. with carmi kind of starting to yeah. lose it or some of his other symptoms which I was curious to get your take on um mm-hmm. with some of the like nightmare slash um being sleepwalking mm-hmm. right and in, in his his in his apartment earlier on it seems like he's having a horrible time sleeping which isn't helping any of his symptoms mm-hmm. and then at the end we see right him kind of what appears to be maybe he's like dissociating when mm-hmm. he lights tries to light a cigarette and then the whole stove catches on fire yeah. so two different things i feel like all around but- fire
1: too yeah yeah i mean i think you're totally right portia this show i thought again another expert portrayal of grief mm-hmm. And I think the complicated grief that comes from losing someone to suicide of all things, Mm -hmm. like just how many questions are left. Um, You know, Carmi, no one saw a note until the very end. And it's still in my mind, it's like, was that a suicide note? I think so. I think it was like meant to be, but it wasn't like by the writers, you know, maybe not by like Mikey, but like – it just wasn't clear. Wasn't clear. And I think in the circumstances, you know, it sounds like Mikey and Carmi, they were brothers, right? Mm-hmm. They sort of bonded over cooking. And then Mikey goes on to open the bear, but then like won't let... meet the beef store. Oh, sorry, the beef. Um, But then like won't let Carmi work in it. And that created like a really big rift in mm-hmm. them. And I think we still don't really understand why um, he wouldn't let him in. I started wondering like... Was there some connection to organized crime? You know, it seemed like Richie maybe had a connection and those like feuding groups on the corner that Sydney mm-hmm. placated with the sandwiches. And even like the Uncle Jimmy, I was like, is he a Mapa? Like, is that why Carmi wasn't? He was trying to like keep him away, or was there something like, is that how Mikey got introduced to opiates? There were a lot of questions right. for me. Um, but then that was like a real you know, a real wedge in their relationship. Mm-hmm. And it's almost, it sounds like at the, in the very last episode with Carmi's like monologue at Al-Anon, like, first of all, like how moving was that? Yeah. Like, whoa. Um. But then we finally start learning some of this backstory. And it sounds like that almost like fueled Carmi's desire to like show him, mm-hmm. you know, like just achieve right. and, you know, really escalate to like the best of the best to be like, you're lost, dude. Um And then, gosh, how complicated and confusing for Carmi to, like, lose your brother in that way and then learn that he left the restaurant, that he'd never let you work into mm-hmm. you, and you have to leave your position at this, like, best restaurant in the world to come here? Like, whoa. And also, though, like... That was – and maybe it didn't feel like a choice, but, like, that was his choice.
0: That a lot of people were like, what are you doing? Like, you didn't need to come back. Yes. Like, I think Richie was upset that he was coming
1: back and taking over. I think the staff initially were all upset that he was coming back. Because it seemed back. like the staff, you know, like – um you know, like Tina, Ibrahim, like all the staff, it seems like had been there for like decades, mm-hmm. like they, that they have right. been there forever. Right. And then all of a sudden you have Carmi coming in out of nowhere. Again, this white guy, a lot of the staff were people of color. And then he hires Sydney, this young girl, and they're like cleaning everything up, like, you know, operationalizing things. And I could imagine. And we see how like the, the, old crew reacted and mm-hmm. we're like, like not the old thrilled about it. Yeah, guard. exactly. Yeah. But then eventually they do warm up to it. Um, and I did think like at the beginning, Carmi was really respectful in terms of, like, saying, like, mm-hmm. we call each other chef, you know, we have high standards, like, this is what you need to do well. And at the first they weren't really believing it. Like, the family dinners, I thought mm-hmm. were so – I never had that at the restaurant no. I worked in, right? I was like, where did this come from? This is really nice. We all have dinner before – it's mm-hmm. like, that's really nice, you know? Um I think, like, eventually it did help them sort of get on board. Right. Um, But it took a while. Mm -hmm. Um, Especially with Tina. And Sydney. You know, Mm -hmm. it seemed like Tina kind of bought in,
0: you know, after a little bit with Carmi. But then it was really, like, an interesting dynamic watching her and Sydney. And then Tina pretending not to speak English, like, here and there. (laughs) And
1: Sydney's like, I know you can. You just were doing it. And calling (laughs) um, Carmi Jeff instead of chef. (laughs) Yeah. Just all these like slight Mm -hmm. jabs. I can't remember what it was that finally got her to come around. Um, But eventually she did. With Sydney, it Mm -hmm. was
0: um, something with the potatoes right so like um tina didn't like burn something or something and then sydney already had it going and then but didn't criticize right like tina was like just get it over with do it and then and sydney was like no it's fine and then she like complimented her later and then i think Um, tina was like okay we're good
1: yeah like sydney kind of like helped her out instead of rubbing her nose Mm -hmm. in it um but getting back to i think what you originally asked me about like (laughs) grief um I also thought it was interesting that I was like, is there a gender dynamic here? Because his sister seems to be more openly like grieving or mm-hmm. at least talking about the death. She's like trying to get him to go to right. Al-Anon, which to me suggests she's going to Al-Anon. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Carmi is really closed off. Um, and I, I, I think you could say like that's might be like a more stereotypical like man reaction i don't I, i'm sure yeah, it depends if we're on different super generalizing yeah super generalizing like depends on different families mm-hmm. you know structures and dynamics and stuff like that um but i think you know what is that old phrase like um what is it it's like we talk about a lot with trauma like what you won't remember like eventually comes out or something like what you try to avoid thinking about eventually comes out, whether you like Mm -hmm. it or not. Death of anyone can be very traumatic, but I think a suicide in particular is very traumatic for all the people involved. Mm -hmm. And it sounds like in Mikey's case, um, it's like, was it planned or was it impulsive, right? Like, was he intoxicated and had a gun? I mean, it's not really clear until we find the note, Mm -hmm. right? I don't know. What did you think? I think it was unclear. I mean, I think like
0: I could go on the one hand with like him stashing the money for so long. Like, was he planning on, you know, ending his life for that time? or was or was that just like all like a side, you know, project of him just like stashing all this money away to, to avoid do, taxes? yeah, or to something. avoid taxes or like in the end to give to Carmi? I don't know. Like, you know, Carmi, like was his plan like, okay, Carmi's gonna be this amazing chef and then and then we're like,
1: ready for him. We're gonna have all this money. like, or was it like, mm-hmm. I know I'm gonna die. i I don't know. It's a weird spot to leave a suicide note, right? Like usually, I feel like if someone does leave a note, it's with the body. like it's nearby. do you think it was maybe though, like
0: supposed to be in a locker and fell out? like maybe like Carmi's locker from, years ago or uh, like, because that was my question like why yeah. was it behind
1: lockers the lockers
0: on the floor like had it fallen somewhere was it supposed to not be there i i don't know Cause Did he mean to bring so it with him yeah that's what right? i mean Is like, like how could anyone find that someone could have easily thrown it away could have easily right. gotten damaged by water or something right. like it just was so risky and also right if you're leaving someone like three hundred thousand dollars you want that to get to them so
1: that was just strange it was strange why do you think richie put it back I think at that time, like, when he first found it, he was r- still really mad at Carmi for coming. And, like, I mean, in this season, we really see how, like, the landscape of Chicago, the landscape of their neighborhood, the landscape of the restaurant itself is changing it's like and evolving. getting gentrified. Yes, mm-hmm. exactly. And I think Richie's, like, having an identity crisis and, like, not on board. And I think he was just, at that time, really mm-hmm. mad at Carmi and didn't want to, like, help him along so in my, any way.
0: I guess this is where my little thread mm. of empathy comes out again. Oh, gosh. <laughs> it's like, he could have thrown it out. That's very right? true. So, like, why did he... Put it back. Put it back? That's it's, actually it's a nice like, point,
1: Portia. I
0: don't know. Like, I I think... Me, and there's a million different reasons why, but, like, I'm thinking maybe it was because... Not, like, right for Carmi, but, like, he couldn't do that to Mikey, yeah. you know? And, and yeah. again, it's like... So, it's not... he's He wasn't just being this huge a-hole. Right, like, there right. There was just... Something in there. I, I don't think it was there, like yeah. oh, he was looking out for Carmy. He didn't think Carmy was ready. I don't know. Maybe, but like there was
1: some. You're car. so right. He could have thrown it out. Oh, okay. Now I'm feeling <laughs> something for him. You're right, though. Like he definitely could have, and mm-hmm. he didn't. Um, just mm. interesting. Yeah, that's really making me think. Really making me think. So
0: we know from past episodes how important sleep is right and how the lack of sleep can literally bring someone
1: right to like have some psychosis yeah and and mania like sleep is the biggest trigger Mm -hmm. of a manic episode psychotic episodes for sure i've seen a lot of first breaks in like college students who were flying internationally didn't sleep on the plane um like that's like what brought it out finally which Which is what you said
0: that I like I'm good because I went to Europe and I was up for like Forty-eight hours
1: and I'm fine. So, <laughs> so I was like, that's I was a really like, good yes. sign. you bipolar disorder, <laughs> You know, winning in some ways here, but also like in the restaurant industry, like other industries too. Like if you're working third shift or other mm. things like that, it is so disruptive to your sleep. And I think like the high energy, fast paced environment of restaurants makes it really hard. Like even when you get home to fall asleep, right. I think that is why so many like have a drink after work or take another substance like Xanax mm-hmm. to like try to calm their brain down. It's also so bright. In the kitchen. Yes. You know
0: what I mean? It's, I mean, it has to be, but like the lights are so fluorescent. It's mm-hmm. so
1: bright and like shiny mm-hmm. in like, you know, a cleaner restaurant. Um, I was impressed <laughs> at how much they were cleaning. I was very happy. I think, again, that's like where Carmi comes in and is like, this is unacceptable. Mm-hmm. Like, even if we're like a sandwich shop, like, let's have high standards for right. ourselves. And I thought, like, that's a nice um, way to live as long as the standards aren't uh, impossibly high. Mm-hmm. But I think it does, and we saw that it did lead to feelings of like self efficacy and like pride Mm -hmm. in your work. Um, but yeah certainly I you hope all the restaurants are that clean right. I sort of doubt they all are yeah. you hope. I think it's so funny like being kind of near New York
0: mm-hmm. um, and going in right and seeing the ABC mm-hmm, like you know just mm-hmm. kind of how they showed in Chicago because they don't do that in the state like you don't you know there's no like I'm sure there's like a public health or they, oh, yeah, they get right. inspected but they don't have the, that in system, the window right which yeah. I just think is so like
1: mm-hmm. and it was interesting too like when they didn't get a good grade and he's like blaming Richie but then it turns out it was his fault. That's like another time where he was sort of like dissociating. Right. Um, yeah, I mean, I kind of, I, I did, I think, at least in the initial time where he was setting his apartment on fire, that felt, I mean, they both felt dissociative to me, like he was like, and I think that's part of his trauma response, mm-hmm. right? Just like trying to like keep putting one foot in right. front of the other, but you're not processing what you're feeling, and it will inevitably come mm-hmm. out. And sort of that's how it was coming out at the end with the fire in the kitchen. At first, I thought like, is he going to intentionally let the restaurant mm-hmm. burn down and be like, okay, now, right? It takes care of it. But then everyone sort of like grab the fire mm-hmm. extinguisher and, right. and help. You know, took care of it.
0: Yeah, that was an intense scene. Mm-hmm. So, like with Mikey's suicide. um, you know, I think we we kind of talked a little bit around the edges here, but like suicide, I would consider is like a complicated loss, right? So like, there's some losses yeah. that are really uncomplicated, like losing a grandparent naturally in like a natural way, mm-hmm. right? It's like it's sad and can be really life shattering, but like it's it's expected. It's like the natural way of life, mm-hmm. and those losses are typically like more easy to process, just like. As a human, Mm -hmm. Um, but then these uncom, or these complicated losses like losing a child Mm -hmm. um, as a parent or losing a parent by really suicide. Exactly. Or, you know, really unexpected um, deaths are complicated and it doesn't mean that you know this is way harder or it's a much bigger loss but it's just a different loss yeah and i think it can make it harder to process and i would really say specifically with suicide because there are so many times that people and somebody does die by suicide the people who are left right are often like what did we miss? 100%. How did I not see this? Um, I, how could I have stopped it? And there's so many of those lingering questions that we don't ask ourselves when,
1: again, it's like, like a grandparent it has an naturally did loss. And sometimes you ask yourself those questions, right? Like in, or in the grieving process, you know, like mm-hmm. when we think about grief, that is a common universal right. human experience right there's the what stage would that be like a bargaining right. yeah so there's yeah. elizabeth kubler ross has her five stages of grief theory um shock denial bargaining anger acceptance um we don't think of people as like moving through those stages linearly like mm-hmm. you can feel right. things at the same time you can go back and forth um but those are like the universal emotions all humans feel when you're grieving um in the field, you know, of mental health, then we sort of think about, okay, like what's like a a typical grief reaction versus like a complicated grief mm-hmm. reaction? And again, it's not because we're trying to have like grief Olympics where mm-hmm. like one right. person is worse than the other. It's just – you know, grieving a suicide is very complicated. And I think, you know, it, it is traumatic. Like oh, I think yeah. a lot of people develop trauma reactions or even post-traumatic stress disorder when these things mm-hmm. happen. And I think you hit the nail on the head, Portia, that like it leaves so many questions. And people, when you're faced with an unimaginable trauma, you try to make sense of it. And a lot of times that leads you to blaming yourself. Mm-hmm. And that's where really good therapy is important. And sometimes you can find that, like in Al Anon, right. You know, which is the um sort of what would you call it? Like the um it's for people who have been like impacted uh, mm-hmm. by people
0: with substance use. So someone right. who is struggling themselves currently or in the past who goes to AA, mm-hmm. you know, that's typically for them. And then like you maybe their brother, their sister,
1: their parents would go to Al Anon. Right, exactly. And it can be a really healing, helpful place and um, finally, Carmi started going. And I mm-hmm. was, I remember, like at midway through the season when things were really stressful. And he's like, I have to go. I have to go to a meeting. And then Sydney was like, Where, you just left us here. And they finally sort of connected over mm-hmm. it, remember. And then she was like, chef, that's too much. Yeah. And he was like, <laughs> she's she like, I'm, like, just, I'm kidding. just kidding. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think to lose anyone by suicide has got to be devastating mm-hmm. and traumatizing and so hard to cope with, you yeah. know, so there are resources out there. I mean, in terms of like, of course, your own individual therapy. Um, but Nami, the National Alliance on Mental Illness, certainly has a lot of resources mm-hmm. available to people who have lost loved ones by suicide. I would imagine that feels lonely, right? Yeah. Like, um, like, hard for someone to talk to, like, their friends about or their family about if they haven't gone through it I themselves. I think there's a lot of,
0: like, perceived – and it and it might not be real or not, but, like, perceived judgment from others. Yeah. I know that a lot of parents who have lost um, oh. teens to, to suicide, like, have – really feel like there's a lot of judgment on them I, for they should have known they should have stopped it so i think like it's really hard, hard to, to reach to out talk to yeah. like people who haven't experienced it and what a wonderful way for a very horrible you know thing to occur but it you know if you can find a group with yes other uh, shared experience it can be so helpful and yeah. like r- such a safe space right
1: and i think it's really scary to like start attending a group mm-hmm. whether it's like you know group therapy um or like a, a support group i think it can be really scary and that's totally normal yeah. if you're feeling like that i always try to encourage my patients like just go sit in the back mm-hmm. And just te- see, right? Like, test don't, it out. You don't have to say anything. You don't have to say anything, just see what it's like. And I always say like, not everything's going to stick, like especially things like AA, mm-hmm. you know, there's a lot of resistance to it from different people. Um, And some people don't identify with the religious aspect. There are non-religious AA groups out there these days, but I always try to tell people, like, go take what works and leave the rest. Mm -hmm. You don't have to accept everything to find some healing or benefit from some of the Mm -hmm. things. Um, But there are, I think, uh, NAMI and and I'm sure other groups out there with support groups or people who've lost loved ones to suicide. I think that's a uniquely terrible way Mm -hmm. to lose someone you love. And especially when there's substance abuse too, it's just even murkier, Mm -hmm. right? And you could see these characters really be like, how did we not see it? Should I have done more? And it's just, I think a lot of the healing and therapy comes from just like exploring that with people and trying to help people like not blame themselves. Mm -hmm. But it's really, it is really hard. It's heartbreaking. And it's
0: hard, you know, and not to deter anyone from going to see a therapist but it's hard as a therapist to sit in that you know i think grief is is hard because there's no like really clear treatment plan based on like time right it's like okay well we we should be processing this better now it's just just, sometimes it's it's shorter and other times it's so long and like it's just grief is is challenging and i know even additionally to that a lot of clients who are a support for someone who is going through grief. It's so hard just to sit and like be there. Yeah. Because we want to make people feel better. Right. Right. We want to like get people okay and feeling happy and positive. And it's like sometimes it's just not we can't do that yet. And we just have to like wait. And that's hard. It is hard hard. as a provider and it's hard as obviously a a person who's not a
1: provider and sometimes when people do die in very tragic ways it is hard mm-hmm. to bear witness and sit with someone in that suffering but it's so important mm-hmm. and um again i think that's where it's really important for therapists to also know like their own limits right. or have their own support mm-hmm. system right we're all supporting each yeah. other you know <laughs> but you're right it is really hard to bear witness to to grief mm-hmm. You know, I think as we wrap up, isn't it interesting that thus far in our podcasting journey, there have been some common themes of shows that are big hits in society, Mm. and a lot of them are about grief. You know, like we talked about shrinking. We talked about succession, season four with Logan's death. Now we have the bear. Like, I think, again, that just speaks to how grief is such a universal Mm, experience, and we all can connect to that. Yeah. Um, That's a good point. You know, I think a lot of people resonate with tough topics
0: and whether it's we're seeing it done in a comedic way mm -hmm, or it's a really dramatic and intense way. It's like everyone knows someone who knows someone or themselves who struggled with substance use. Everyone Mm -hmm. knows someone or is someone who struggled with grief. And it's just like, again, these universal experiences that I think like it's really can be really helpful to have like a um, uh, media or yeah. right like some content out there that
1: that helps you cope whether you're right. like crying through a show or laughing through a show 100 mm-hmm. percent right it's like a way of connecting and experiencing it or feeling less alone right you know i think we're all mm-hmm. like wanting to feel like someone out there understands what we're going through and even if it's not or most of the time it's not the exact same experience but these shows really let you know like okay the writers, the creators, the actors, like they're all doing such a good mm-hmm. job because, like, they know yeah. this in some intimate way. And then mm-hmm. whoever's watching it can also feel understood. Even like the whale. Yep. Everything, everywhere, all at once. Like, mm-hmm. everything. These themes are coming up again right. and again, and I think like these expert portrayals of it are just so great to have, mm-hmm. um, and that's why they're there. nominated, right? Like yeah, that's why also that's these why things successful, win. yeah. Um, so it's really interesting. I'm excited to see where season two leads. <laughs> yeah, now that you have maybe a little window <laughs> into some things, I'm oh. excited to watch
0: it too. I'm I'm looking forward to it. Um, you know, I I was laughing because of I started episode one, season one, and I was, like, trying to get my husband to come watch it. And he was like, oh, my gosh. And he has restaurant experience, too. And he was just like, I don't know if I can watch this. And I was like, it's really intense. Yeah. Yeah. So... I don't know. Anyway, but thanks for listening to our episode today on The Bear Season 1. We will be covering Season 2 at some point, so stay mm-hmm. tuned. I think next month. Yeah, so we're excited. Um, make sure you follow us on Instagram for some more content at Analyzed Scripts and on TikTok at Analyzed Scripts Podcast. And we will see you next time. Bye. Bye.
1: This podcast and its contents are a copyright of analyzed scripts, all rights reserved. Any redistribution or reproduction of part or all of the contents in any form is prohibited. Unless you want to share it with your friends and rate, review, and subscribe, that's fine. All stories and characters discussed are fictional in nature. No identification with actual persons, living or deceased, places, buildings, or products is intended or should be inferred. This podcast is for entertainment purposes only. The podcast and its contents do not constitute professional, mental health, or medical advice. Listeners might consider consulting a mental health provider if they need assistance with any mental health problems or concerns. As always, please call 911 or go directly to your nearest emergency room for any psychiatric emergencies. Thanks for listening and see you next time. This podcast and its contents are a copyright of analyzed scripts, all rights reserved. Any redistribution or reproduction of part or all of the contents in any form is prohibited. Unless you want to share it with your friends and rate, review, and subscribe, that's fine. All stories and characters discussed are fictional in nature. No identification with actual persons, living or deceased, places, buildings, or products is intended or should be inferred. This podcast is for entertainment purposes only. The podcast and its contents do not constitute professional mental health or medical advice. Listeners might consider consulting a mental health provider if they need assistance with any mental health problems or concerns. As always, please call 911 or go directly to your nearest emergency room for any psychiatric emergencies. Thanks for listening and see you next time.